like to talk to you for a moment about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Joel in the Old Testament prophesied that in the last days God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And sons and daughters would prophesy. Men servants and maid servants would prophesy. Young men would see visions and old men would dream dreams. Then you skip ahead several centuries to the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. They received the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And um, they all spoke in tongues. In Acts 8, that was in Jerusalem. In Acts 8 in Samaria, um, people were filled with the Holy Spirit to the point that a, a sorcerer wanted to pay money for the ability to give people the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, at, at the house of a non-Jewish man, Cornelius, uh, the whole household was filled with the Holy Spirit while they were listening to preaching. And the Bible says that when they were filled, they all spoke in tongues and they all magnified God. Uh, it says they spoke in tongues and magnified God. And I would assume that they all did both. But, you know, we don't know. Uh, it, it, anybody can magnify God. But I think when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a supernatural magnif- magnification of God that comes through you. Um, later on in Acts, it talks about the disciples being filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19... The disciples of John the Baptist were baptized by Paul. He laid hands on them. They all received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and prophesied. Prophecy is a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jessica was filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here to fill us all. If you've ever been filled before or not, let's just ask right now. Holy Spirit, just, just raise your hands right now. Holy Spirit, as we worship you a little more, some more. We ask that you'd fill us all to overflowing with your spirit, that we would leave this place empowered with your spirit to minister with boldness and fearlessness, bearing fruit everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, just come right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, as we come to worship you, come, Holy Spirit, come, fill every vessel to overflowing. Jesus' name, light of the world. You came down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that makes this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. so loved the world, John 3.16, that He gave His only Son that whosoever that means you and me that whosoever can believe in Him and receive eternal life. God did not send His Son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. The message of the Bible is this. God loves Humanity, but he's separated from them by sin. And justice must be served. Sin has a penalty, which ultimately leads to death. 
It destroys relationships. It destroys bodies. It brings end to relationship with God, which is the worst of all. And so God, in His love, sent His Son to come and live a perfect life, knowing that anyone living that way would become a magnet for false accusations and for attacks. And He sent Him in the most vicious culture that you could imagine for someone that would speak the truth in love. And it wasn't long before they put an end to Him. And God knew this would happen. And in His foreknowledge, He allowed His innocent Son to die an unjust death so that you and I could be freed from our just deserts for our sins. And through His death, we no longer have to be punished by being separated from our Father. But we can be reunited with the Father in fellowship with Almighty God because the penalty for our sin has been paid for. And through faith in Jesus and what He did for us, we can be saved. And it comes to us simply by believing what I just shared and calling on His name. He left His number, and it's Jesus. Wherever you are, you can say Jesus. Let's just do it right now to model what it's like. Jesus, I call on Your name. I believe that You are the Son of God. I believe that You died for my sins. And I believe that you've risen from the dead. Forgive me. Make me clean in your sight. I receive you now by faith. That's how, that, that's how it can start. Turning from our sinful ways to his righteous way. From sinful ways to his righteous way calling on His name and praying each day, beginning to read the Word, hanging out with people that are also pursuing a relationship with Him, you begin to watch. Things that begin to happen in your life that have bothered you for years. Transformation begins to take place. And maybe you have called on His name in the past and gotten off the path. Today's the day to come back home. Amen. Jesus will
still the story is not over. He's coming back to take us over. It's not over. No, it's not over. One day soon he's coming back to take us over. That's love. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for people that are going to ask you to come into their life and make them clean. And for those that have already begun that. Thank you, Lord, for people that are coming back to following you closer than ever before. Thank you, Lord, for people as vessels that are being filled and are going to be filled to overflowing with your spirit. In Jesus' name, Lord, we just give you all the praise and honor for our praise team today. Amen. Thank you all so much. The 13th chapter of John, let's read verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Can we say to the end? He loved them to the end. And then look at verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, how to love like Jesus. Can we say that together? How to love like Jesus. Sandwiched between those two verses is the story of the Last Supper in detail, where Christ instituted the Lord's Table communion. You can read about that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we will end the sermon with a time of communion together, and uh, it's going to be a joyous celebration of the Lord's love for us. So today we're going to focus on how Jesus loved his disciples to the end right here on the last night before his betrayal, and um, I would like to pray right now for the Lord's help. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is so present with us always, and especially realized in our midst, Lord, when we meet together like this. Lord, I ask that by your spirit you would enable me to communicate clearly what you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. How to love like Jesus, the always and the nevers. When you're in a conflict with someone, especially in marriage, you never want to make you statements. And you certainly don't want to make always and never statements. But in describing the love of Christ, he is so constant, he is so consistent, he is always the same. You can use these and it will be appropriate. How to love like Jesus. John 13, 1 again. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end.
To love like Jesus, we must always be committed to love for life. We're going to be his disciples. And we're going to take his commandment, this new commandment, seriously. To love as he loved. We must be committed to love for life. There is no prenuptial agreement in this kind of discipleship. It's unconditional love. It is agape love. The love of the world often falls short of that love. In the English language, we have one word for love, to express it, love. Sometimes it could be a high form of liking, and sometimes it could, it could relate to the food you like, or the dog that you have, or your favorite meal, or your spouse, or your boyfriend or girlfriend. I love them. But sometimes that love falls short of being real love. If you look at Hollywood, just check out the tabloids in any grocery store. And you can see, okay, so-and-so lost love. They really didn't have love. In the Greek language, there are several words defined as love, the highest form of which is agape, which means selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. It's the love of God. It's the word that God uses to describe himself through John. John was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write that God is love. He wrote that in two places in his first letter. God is agape. He is selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. And so to walk in his love, we must begin to make a commitment. I'm not going to stop loving people as long as I live. Um, There's a phrase in our language that has lost its meaning, a, a uh, figure of speech, and sometimes in church people say, don't say that. But have you ever heard the expression, I love him to death, or I love her to death? You know, it means you really love someone. But look at the phrase, I love someone to death. It doesn't mean I love them so much I'm going to kill them. I love them for my life. I love them until I'm going to die. That's a strong commitment to love, isn't it? And so we should be committed to love to death. Jesus loved his disciples to the end. These are the guys that were going to betray him, abandon him, deny that they ever knew him, doubt him, disappoint him beyond belief. And yet he's taking hours with them here in chapter 13 of John all the way to chapter 20 focusing on them, pouring out his life with truth and love, and he's doing it to, to the end, till he's betrayed and arrested and, and the crucifixion happens. So to walk in his love, we must be committed to love for life. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. So look at this. Jesus is about to wash their feet, okay? But before he do it, he knew that the Father had put everything in his hands. He knew that he had come from the Father and was going to the Father. And knowing those things, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself with the towel, getting ready to do the job that was servant's work. In that day and time, uh, it was a luxury to go to someone's house and have a servant, an employee of your host, or even your host, to wash your feet. Because in those days, there wasn't asphalt, there wasn't sidewalks, 
and livestock was a primary means of transportation. And so your feet could get pretty nasty and grimy and grungy. And so here Jesus is taking the form of a servant and uh, doing this thing at the end of the supper time, treating them. So for us to love like that, we need three things. We need to never forget who our Father is. You know, it's insecurity in a person that will keep that person from wanting to humble themselves. Keep that person from wanting to serve. I used to work in a hotel, and uh, they would have seminars for us to try to fire us up. And they would tell us this one line of bull that, that was to attempt to make us more serving. They would say, y'all are not servants, but you are service workers. We provide service, but we don't serve. What is that? It's bunk. We were there as servants of the employee to serve our guests. The sooner we accepted that, the better. But when you have identity issues, still striving for that place and significance in life, you will shun the opportunity to be a servant. But Christ was free to be a servant. He knew who he was. He's a son of God. And you know what? If you're following God, you're his son too. You've been adopted into his family. You're his daughter. You've been made a part of the kingdom. You're his subject. You're, you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God in this world of darkness, the Bible says. So to love like Jesus, we've got to know who our father is. Who's your daddy? We need to know what we have in him. He was not afraid to take off his outer garments. He was not as afraid to, to put on a, sermon, a servant's position because he knew what he had. He was rich beyond measure. The riches of heaven were his. So he wasn't on some uh, quest to prove anything other than that he loved someone. You know, it's hard to love somebody if you're on a quest to prove who you are. It really becomes all about you. This is what can destroy relationships. You don't know who I am. You're not respecting me or whatever. But if you know who you are, you're not easily threatened. You're free. You're free to just love and serve without any fear. Know who you are and know what you have. Never forget where you are going. The story is not over. Reward is coming. You may be overlooked on your job. You may not have gotten a raise in 10 years. You may have been fired from employments unjustly. But you know what? The story's not over. As a believer, we have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we can live life happy knowing we're going somewhere. Amen? The Bible says that Jesus despised the shame of the cross, but he endured it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. He endured that agony. And we can endure humbling circumstances to express God's love to someone because we know we've got a reward coming. We know where we're going. We don't have to prove something. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. If we're going to love like Jesus, we need to always be willing to humble ourselves. Always be willing to humble ourselves. You know, sometimes you'll get confronted 
by people who are offended at something, and their confrontation isn't accurate, that it would be wise to hear them out and to ask for forgiveness. And if you get a chance, sometimes you don't, if you get a chance to clarify your side of the case so that reconciliation can happen. Some people want to be right more than they want to be reconciled. Do you want to be just right, or do you want to be reconciled? Someone in my family always has to be right. And and when there's conflict, the name-calling starts, the labeling starts, the defensive mechanisms start, the one-liners that belittle start. What's the result? The person wins arguments, but their life is a life of broken relationships, one after the other. If we're going to walk in the love of Jesus, we must learn to always humble ourselves. Pride comes before a what? Fall. And a haughty spirit before destruction, the Bible says. Verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my feet. Next point is never stop expressing love practically. There are some people that will reject your attempt to express love. But don't stop. Keep on pursuing it. Peter was an extremist. I don't want you washing my feet. I want you to wash all of me. You know, he couldn't make his mind up, you know. You're the Christ of the Son of the living God in one hand, Matthew 16. You're never going to go to the cross. Just all over the place. He needed lots of love, didn't he? He was what you call an HTL person, a hard-to-love guy. Jesus continued. He was persistent with them. And you know what? He was worth it. So we need to never stop expressing love practically. Love is more than just words. Oh, I love you. It's more than just affection. It is laying down your life for someone for their benefit and not your own. It's sacrificial, self-sacrificing, unconditional love given for free, for free. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs not only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Can you imagine this? He washed the feet of Judas. He washed the the feet that were going to get up and go out and walk down the street to make a deal with the people that hated Jesus' guts. And Jesus washed his feet anyway. If we're going to love like Jesus loved, we must always love without discrimination. But didn't Jesus say not to let, not to cast your pearls before swine? True, he did. But he also said to love everybody. My take on not casting your pearls before swine is those things that you were stewards over you must be careful like your children don't just let anybody babysit your kids well we're supposed to love everybody here take my baby that's that's not loving your baby okay so um 
But when it comes to loving and serving people, we don't need to be discriminating. Well, they're not my kind of people. Well, they're God's kind of people. He made them. Hello. Hello. Always love without discrimination. In Matthew 5, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. Aren't you glad he's not discriminating with sunshine? And sins rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? They weren't fans of the IRS, I guess. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect or complete, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's a cop-out. We are to... We are to follow the Lord's commands. And as we do, he perfects us. And one thing that's perfect about God is he loves everybody the same. The person you can't stand, he loves that person just as much as he loves you. It's true. In Luke, he said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you for even sinners? Love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Jesus walked what he talked. His life cashed the checks that his mouth wrote. We see this happening with Judas. Always love without discrimination. Look at verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who was sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, verse 17, look at this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know them, you're blessed if you do them. Never substitute knowledge for obedience. I'm sure there are in this town people that, that can explain the love of God better than anyone you've ever heard, certainly better than what I'm attempting to do today. When it comes to terms of head knowledge, they got it going on. But when it comes to their walk, not so much. Obedience is more important than knowledge. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth that makes you free is the truth that you know. The truth that you really know is the truth that you're continuing in. Don't substitute knowledge for obedience. 
We can know all about love, but doing it is another thing. It's not easy. Verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So he's predicting someone is going to lift up his heel against him. Someone is going to betray him. We'll see this in the next few verses. Our next point is always remember that everyone is not going to love you. If we're going to love like Jesus loved, we've got to anticipate opposition, right? We're going to be wise, otherwise we'll get disillusioned. Everybody's not going to be our fan. Everybody's not going to care about you. Everybody's not going to give you some kickback for your efforts. But you know what? It's not about us. It's about his love that the world needs to know. And if they could really get a grasp of how much he loves them, it could transform their life. And who knows what blessing would come. If we know these things, blessed are we if we do them. Eventually, you can get kickback. Uh, there was a well-known uh, preacher in the 40s and 50s named Smith Wigglesworth. He was a plumber who didn't know how to read, and he was an abusive husband. And for some reason, she didn't call the police when he beat her. And... Uh, but she humbled herself and continued to love this man. And one day she went to church, and he had forbidden her to go. And she determined, I am to love like Jesus loved, but I'm to love God more than man. And so when she came home that night, it was cold, and he had locked her out of the house. So she found some newspapers, wrapped herself in newspaper, and did her best to survive the night. In the morning, he opened the door. She sat up and says, good morning. What do you want for breakfast? It broke his heart. He became a believer and lived a long life traveling around the world, learned to read, and became an awesome man of God, highly respected. Uh, in Christian bookstores, you always find stuff written by him. That would not have happened had his wife not learned to love like Jesus loved. Verse 21. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, that is, Jesus had his arm around him, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, looking back at him like this, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom? I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. This action was an action in the East, and still is, that if the host of the meal dips bread in the gravy or the hummus for you and feeds it to you, you are being highly honored. The guest of honor at the Last Supper was Judas Iscariot, the man who's about to betray him. If we're going to love like Jesus loved, we must never miss opportunities to show love. Never miss opportunities to show love.
to show love. In 1969, my father came home from West Africa as a missionary and became pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Bloomington, Illinois. And they were old school. They, they were old school, man. They did some old school things, and my dad was wanting to upgrade them. You know, they did funny things. Like during the offering, they would sing songs like, Just a dollar bill will do. Just a dollar bill will do. Oh, you never can tell what the Lord will do. Just a dollar bill will do. Well, my dad began to initiate some changes. He said, folks, it's almost, it's the 70s. By this time, he's been there about a year. It's the 70s. There's been a thing called inflation. Let's change the lyrics. So then they began to sing, just a five or ten will do. <laughs> now, they had church four and five times a week, and they were always passing the basket. So um, anyway, it wasn't long till he had some people in the church that didn't like him. And uh, they put him in the same boat with another pastor that they knew of in another town. And so, uh, you know, when people judge you, they'll compare you to somebody that doesn't compare. And my dad knew this. And he borrowed their car. They had a second car that was kind of beat up. He says, hey, can I borrow your car? Knowing they couldn't stand him. He took their car home to his garage, sanded it down, masked it off, and painted it, and did a beautiful job, absolutely gorgeous. Took it back to them, stole their hearts. They're his biggest fans to this day. Yeah. But if you're going to do that, make sure you know what you're doing. Years later, he talked to another friend, let me paint your car for you. Went out and rented the spray rig, had his three sons sand the car down and mask it off, but he forgot to drain the air tank. You know, moisture can get in there. Ruined his friend's car. They're still friends to this day. But anyway, that's a little side note. I'm getting off the point here. Never miss an opportunity to show love. They're all around us. We are not without weapons, saints, to show love. Verse 27, now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Jesus said to him, Judas, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, they thought, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. So here he is getting energy from Jesus to go out and sin against Jesus. It's crazy, isn't it? Having been honored by Jesus with, with refreshed feet from Jesus, he's still going to go out and do this deal to make money. Verse 31, So when he had gone out, Jesus said to him, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. In other words, the trigger's been pulled. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Always, 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 always remember you are loved. If we're going to love like Jesus loves, we've got to have some love to give away. He loves you. You may think you're not worthy of his love. That's a lie. 
you may think you're worse than Judas. That's a lie. Even if you were, and you're not, but if you were, he would still love you. He loves us. And never, 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 never forget that you were loved. Amen? So, beloved, it's time to be loved. So be loved, give love, live love. Let's pray. Father, we've heard truth about your love. And I pray, Lord, where, where this word has, has uh, been abrasive against those areas of our life that are not like you, I pray, Lord, that we not shun the correction that your word brings, but, Lord, that we would embrace it, that, Lord, we would hold it dear to our heart and say, Lord, I see where I'm not as loving as I need to be. And, Lord, I pray for those who do not know that you love them. I pray, Lord, that they would know with all their heart that you made the way through the sacrifice on the cross for our sins and our rebellion to be paid for and for your love to be experienced. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Pastor Shake's going to sing a song, and I'd like for six brothers to come and help distribute the elements at this time. been served traditionally you take communion standing up to show respect I'm not going to have you stand traditionally you take communion maybe kneeling down as a sign of respect but the original 
Lord's Supper with Jesus was instituted while they were sitting around a table having a meal. And so I would like for us to take it today sitting down as a guest of Jesus Christ who promised one day to take this with us in the kingdom. We look forward to that future. But for now, we take it in remembrance of Him that His body was broken for us. It was punished for our sins. And His blood was shed for us. His life was given so that we might receive life. He gave life. We receive life. He died for sins. We receive forgiveness. Amen. Just raise the bread up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your broken body that was broken for us. It's a gift that we receive freely. And Lord, this bread is a picture, an illustration of your sinlessness, of your innocence. You gave yourself on that cross as an altar of sacrifice for us. And Lord, we receive the benefit of that by receiving it into ourselves, into our life into our walk and our talk, into our way of thinking, and even, Lord, into our eating. So, Lord, now, by faith, we receive what you've done for us, and we say thank you. Amen. Shed blood wasn't just shed for our sins, but it was shed in the making of a blood covenant, an unbreakable covenant between God and man. The blood of the covenant is the blood of Christ, and this cup represents that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your covenant of forgiveness and for your unbreakable love. Lord, we receive it now by faith. Lord, may the full benefits of your work be received by every person here in Jesus' name. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and such a revelation of his love that you begin to walk in reconciliation with people that you don't agree with at a level that you never walked in before. In Jesus' name. God bless you.